Welcome to episode seven of the Ladies of Horror Fiction podcast. I'm your host, Tony, from The Misadventures of a Reader. As May is the month of mothers in the U.S., I'm going to be talking about the intersection of motherhood and horror. There are so many amazing women authors that are interweaving horror and motherhood. When we think about Mother's Day, horror isn't exactly the first thing that pops into most people's minds. Most people's first thoughts are flowers, a card, maybe a nice dinner. But to the mind of a horror author, it can be downright frightening. But motherhood is rife with horror and danger. In this episode of the LOHF Pod, I'm going to briefly explore motherhood and the intersection with horror. So let's get started, shall we? Motherhood and Horror Horror has always been used as a vehicle for societal warnings. Parental warnings are no different. Being a parent is one of the most rewarding yet terrifying experiences that a human will go through. Being a parent can be downright terrifying. There are so many different primal fears that start swirling around in your head. Are you raising them right? Are they okay? Will X, Y, and Z experience scar them for life? It is no surprise that horror fiction and films highlight the parent-child dynamic so often. Even though being a parent is terrifying, motherhood itself is inherently scary. And the terror begins with pregnancy. Pregnancy is meant to be a sacred and beautiful time, but oftentimes women find themselves scared. The changes that women's bodies go through is absolutely incredible. At the beginning, the changes aren't visible, but over time, these bodily changes progress faster until there is a small human in the woman's arms. A woman goes from having one human occupying space in her body. Her organs begin to move and her bones shift to allow for a second human. It is body horror in real life and not between the covers of a book. Women change. They become something other than what they were. In most cases, the woman goes from being an autonomous person to caring for another's daily needs. Her needs are set aside to provide the day-to-day care for another that is unable to care for themselves. As children grow and mature, the role of the mother changes. You would think this would lessen the mother's worries, but it only increases them. Motherhood tends to be a time of reflection. Mothers are continually worrying whether their day-to-day decisions make them a good or bad mother. While the notion of a good or bad mother is deeply psychological and is due in large part to changes in societal expectations of mothers, mothers are told to be better or be punished. Instead of considering the individual experience of motherhood, the horror genre places mothers into two different buckets, bad mothers and good mothers. We have all read a story or seen a movie where the mother is just horrible. As you're reading or watching the scene unfold, you think to yourself, how in the world did that woman become a mother? In the horror genre, the bad mother is selfish and self-focused. Many times the bad mother is a working mother or a single mother, which means that her children do not seem to be her main priority. They might be left unattended for long periods of time where she is completely unaware of what they're doing. She isn't there to guide them through the temptations of growing up. When she finds out what horrors her children have been up to, there is the expectation that she'll change in order to earn her redemption or her children's redemption. But nothing changes. When she doesn't change, horrible things befall innocent people in her life. 
And then on the flip side of this, you have the overbearing and controlling mother. She often smothers her child with her own fears and insecurities. She traps them in a web of protection, which turns her children into monsters of her own making. We've talked a bit about the bad mother stereotype, but what about the archetypal good mother? Take, for example, the mother figure that we were all shown in 80 sitcoms. She bakes cookies and sacrifices everything for her family. Her life is perfect. Any conflict is talked through and in 30 minutes all is fine again. The good mother doesn't have any individuality. She is mother first and foremost. She has no outside interests besides that of taking care of her family. She is the ideal. She is the mother that everyone strives to be. Where does she fit in the horror genre? This mother has a particular place. As much as the bad mother is unaware of what her children are doing, the good mother is hyper aware of her children's activities. Many times she volunteers at their school and knows all their friends. She is the mother that will sacrifice herself before anything bad will happen to her children. Now here's an interesting thing. As the story goes on, her children will take on some of the characteristics as herself. They're basically the anti-Damien. They take on the hero trope in the horror genre. The last person is standing when the fight between good and evil is waged. Both of the mother stereotypes are linked to the way that society views mothers and their roles and how their offspring will turn out. This links back to the nature versus nurture debate that always seems to be raging when it comes to mothers. Do children turn into monsters due to their parenting, or are they born that way? I don't think we're going to ever get any answers to that specific debate. Motherhood is a period of time when women really begin to evaluate their lives as their children change. Pregnancy is a time of bodily change that can be horrifying yet hopeful at the same time. The horror genre is a perfect vehicle for dealing with the anxieties and pressures of motherhood. It allows the readers to confront their anxieties surrounding parenthood and pregnancy, and it also allows the reader to explore motherhood tropes as fiction instead of reading women's magazines which chides them for whatever decisions they make as parents. For women authors, it allows them to write about their fears, put them onto paper, and begin to let them go. As parents, we're always going to have some type of anxiety towards parenthood, and horror is the perfect genre to explore all the different fears that we may have. As this is the LOHF, we have put together a list of horror fiction by women that feature themes of motherhood and horror. They are also listed in the show notes. First are actually two books by the same author, Beneath and Everything That's Underneath by Christy Demeester. It's a fan. Both of these are fantastic. I've read both of them. They're fantastic. You really should read them. The second is Monstrous Domesticity by R.J. Joseph. I've read this as well, and if you read RJ's guest post, you may recognize a story that's in this collection. The third is Baby Teeth by Zoji Stage. Uh, If I mispronounce that, please let me know. Uh, This book I've also read as well. I personally really, really liked it quite a bit because I like the the bad, crazy child type trope. It's, it's, It's ridiculous, but lots of people liked it, and I would suggest you take a look at it. And the last one is a kind of a sweet story. It's about a mother and her daughter. And it's kind of a coming-of-age story, and I I quite appreciated it. It's called Without Condition by Sonora Taylor. Make sure you take a look at that. It has been, uh, I think there's a few reviews of it on the LOHF site, so have a look at that. May was also Pan-Asian American Heritage Month, so I put together a short list of books by women of Pan-Asian American heritage. 
The first is The Book of M by Peng Shepherd. I have not personally read this. I've heard much, much, much hype about it, and I've heard it's very, very good. So uh, have a look at that. The second one I have read, it's called A Collection of Nightmares by Christina Singh, and I cannot... Uh, I can't praise this book enough. It basically is a book of horror, horror poetry. It's pretty much like reading a bunch of nightmares all put together in, in in poetry form. It's it's fantastic. And the third book is a metal grade book uh, called Spirit Hunters by Ellen O. I have not personally read this. I did read a couple reviews of it, and I've heard nothing but good things. May was also. May was a very busy month. It was also Latino Book Month. So we rounded up some of our favorite books written by Latinx women. And here's the list. The first is Maria the Wanted by Violet Castro. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about this book. I, I want to read it. It is on my TBR. I just haven't had had a chance to get there. Uh, the next one is Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, this one is being made into a TV series, I believe. And it's fantastic. I really, really appreciated that. And I'll probably be talking about that more um, for June as well. The third is Poems of My Night by Cynthia Plow. Uh, I haven't read this yet, but I know that Emily has and, and speaks very highly of it. The fourth book is Five Midnights by Anne Devia Cardinal. I really want to read this. I have seen it all over the place. And my good friend Jen from Book Den is actually reading this. And she has had some very high praise for it indeed. And the last is She Walks in Shadows by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I've not read this either, but I've heard some very good things. So let's talk about what I am currently reading. I am currently reading The Eight by Stephanie Wojtovich. And here's the synopsis. Re Harmon is a living target for the devil as she possesses the power to detect one's deadliest sin at first glance. Intended to be used as a weapon of war, the devil sends Pyman, his right-hand man and top collector, to claim her soul and bring her to him in hell. But the devil isn't the only one who's interested in Re. When Pyman arrives to collect her soul, he's immediately taken with her, resemblance she bears to his late wife Marissa. He falls in love with the mortal girl whose soul he is supposed to claim, and instead vows to protect her, thereby severing his allegiance to the devil and sealing his fate as a traitor. Consumed by rage and fear, Paimon and Arizal, the devil's blood slave and ringleader for the circle of lust, flee hell in an attempt to save Re, but are instead forced to confront their pasts and their presence as they reevaluate the definition of sin and punishment. So what happens when a demon has to confront his demons? When Paimon has to turn to something darker, something more sinister for help? After centuries of living in exile, banned from their home and their right to rule, the seven, the keepers of the deadly sins, are only too happy to answer his call. And if Paimon thought it was dangerous to make a deal with the devil, then he had no idea what it meant to be blessed by the creators of sin. I'm also slowly savoring Georgina Bruce's collection, The House of Wounds. I'm really, really, really enjoying it. I'm kind of reading one story at a time just because I want, I don't really want it to end. I really appreciate her writing style. So make sure you check out The House of Wounds. It was, it's fantastic. And take a look at the cover. It's beautiful. And I got a package in the mail from, again, my very good friend, Jen at Bookden. And it was uh, a book and it was Finding Baba Yaga by Jane Yolen. 
And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, it was amazing. And I loved it. And I read it in two nights. And it's in verse and it's perfect. So here's the synopsis for anyone that is interested in Baba Yaga. A young woman discovers the power to speak up and take control of her fate, a theme that has never been more timely than it is now. You think you know this story, you do not. A harsh, controlling father, a quiescent mother, a house that feels anything but a home. Natasha gathers the strength to leave and comes upon a little house in the wood, a house that walks about on chicken feet and is inhabited by a fairy tale witch. In finding Baba Yaga, Natasha finds her voice, her power herself. I'm speechless. It was fantastic. I love it. I want to read a thousand of them just like that. And so let's talk about some new releases for May. So the first new release that we have for May is The Lingering by SJI Holiday. That was May 1st. Uh, Inside the Asylum by Mary San Giovanni. And that was May 7th. When Darkness Loves Us by Elizabeth Ingstrom, May 7th. Tomb of the Ancients by Madeline Rue, May 14th. Small Kingdoms and Other Stories by Charlene Harris, May 21st. And The Ghost in the House by Sarah O'Leary, May 28th. And the last one is Watch the Whole Goddamn Thing Burn by Dongja Gam. And that is released on May 28th. The release that I am the most excited for is Inside the Asylum by Mary San Giovanni, and here's the synopsis. Kathy has been hired to assess the threat of patient Henry Banks, an inmate at the Connecticut Newland Hospital for the Criminally Insane. This is the same hospital where her brother is housed. Her employers believe that Henry has the ability to open doors to other dimensions with his mind, making him one of the most dangerous men in modern history. Because unbeknownst to Kathy, her clients are affiliated with certain government organizations that investigate people like Henry and the potential to weaponize such abilities. When Kathy comes to understand and interviewing Henry, and in her unavoidable run-ins with her brother, is that Henry can indeed use his mind to create tulpas, worlds, people, and creatures so vivid they come to actual life. But now they want life outside of Henry, and they'll stop at nothing to complete their emancipation. It's up to Kathy, with her brother's help, to stop them, and if possible, to save Henry before the tulips take him over and everything else around him. So let's talk about some LOHF news, shall we? The LOHF read-along is getting ready to wrap up. We really have enjoyed uh, reading The Winter People with everybody. Make sure you check out the discussion posts. Even if you've already read the book, we want to hear what you have to say. And we also started a Goodreads group. Make sure you join to stay up on what we're currently reading, reviews, discussions about horror books written by women. There is going to be a read-along of the new one by Anya Alborn. Um, We're all very excited about that. Also, the LOHF is currently accepting submissions for the LOHF Awards. If you have a novel, short story collection, or novella, as well as poetry, come on, poets, get some poetry in here. Please make sure you check out the LOHF Awards submission post and get your stories into us for consideration. Now, here's something that is very close to my heart. The LOHF is now taking submissions for the Ladies of Horror Fiction Presents Stories of Horror. July is going to be Creature Feature Month. So if you have a trunk story or an idea for a creature feature, please look at the submission post on our podcast page for the submission criteria. Uh, Get some pens to paper or get yourself to your keyboard and send me your stories. The horror community news for the month 
Um, the LOHF had a group watch of the Stokers Awards, and there may have been some tears. And no, Tracy didn't cry first. It was actually Jen. Jen cried first. However, we had a fabulous time. We got to cheer along with everybody, and the LOHF would like to uh, do some shout-out congratulations. The first two, Gwendolyn Keist, Superior Achievement in the First Novel, for the Rust Maidens, it's a fantastic book. If you've not read it, I highly suggest you go out and, and pick it up. Uh, Kirsten White, Superior Achievement in Young Adult Novel for the Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein. Again, I've not I've heard everything wonderful about this book. I do have it on my TBR. Uh, the next one is Raina Mason, Superior Achievement in Long Fiction uh, for The Devil's Throat, and that was in Hellhole, an anthology of subterranean terror. I have read this. It was a fantastic, uh, it was a fantastic anthology. Uh, I would suggest everybody picks it up. And here's a very super special um, kind of something that's close to my heart. Jess Landry won the Superior Achievement in Short Fiction for Mooder in Fantastic Tales of Terror. It was uh, published by Crystal Lake Publishing. She also won the Silver Hammer Award. Now, the Silver, Silver Hammer Award is the award that goes to someone who has volunteered and gone above and beyond the call of duty in volunteering for the HWA. And so congratulations, Jess. That's pretty awesome. So Meredith Avril, super achieve, superior achievement in a screenplay for The Haunting of Hill House, the Bent Neck Lady episode. Uh, we all love that episode. And anytime you say anything about the Bent Neck, bent neck, bent neck Lady, try to say that really fast. Uh, most people know what you're talking about. So and Ellen Datlow, superior achievement in an anthology, The Devil and the Deep Horror Stories of the Sea. I'm actually planning on reading that this summer. Uh, superior Achievement in a Poetry Collection goes to Miss Sarah Tatlinger for The Devil's Dreamland. I was really torn. I was really, really torn on this one because two books that I, two poetry collections that I read uh, this last year were in the, in the running and both women are fantastic and both books were fantastic. So definitely check out The Devil's Dreamland. It's probably one of my favorite poetry books. The Specialty Press Award was presented to Jennifer Barnes and uh, John Edward Lawson from Raw Dog Screaming Press. They do put out some very, very good books. Um, make sure you check out their lineup and they have some really great things coming up. So make sure you sign up for their newsletter so you can get all of the information um, on some of the things that they have coming up. Ladies, get your submissions into Journal Stone's imprint, Trepidatio Publishing. Submissions open June 1st and will be closing July 31st. Any, My understanding uh, after reading the submissions page is that anything that is submitted outside of this window will be deleted. So make sure you polish up your manuscripts and get it into them ASAP. The horror community has been saddened by the news of the passing of Frank Arrington. Frank wrote reviews for his own site as well as Cemetery Dance Online. Our thoughts are with Frank's family during this time. If you'd like to reach out to the LOHF podcast, our email address is lohfpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear about your new releases, news in the community, and suggestions for the podcast. You can find out more about the members of the Ladies of Horror Fiction via our website at ladiesofhorrorfiction.com. Do not forget to check out the Ladies of Horror Fiction Presents Stories of Horror if you want to submit a story. 
The music for this episode is by the fabulous Nicholas Gasparini at thedarkpiano.com. Uh, make sure that you check out his site if you are looking for something that is dark and ambient. Thank you for joining and yeah, hope you have a great week and yeah, talk to you later. Bye.